0: The Epistle of the Philippians, Philippians this evening, chapter number 4, two verses tonight, message I've entitled, God Supplying, God Supplying, God will supply all your needs. God will supply all your needs. Philippians four nineteen and twenty. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God, our Father, be glory both forever, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Short passage tonight, I know, but uh, we're going to be seeing this evening about God supplying all our needs. This is a short verse, but it's been packed full of tons of truth right here. I don't know if you've realized this, but we have taken 18 Wednesday nights to go through Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Uh, It's taken us 18 weeks. We started in November on the 16th, and I didn't preach every Wednesday night on Philippians, but uh, it's just taking us a little while to examine all of this. And uh, here we are very close to the end. A little sad to me. Uh, this is a good book. I like this book. It's a practical book. It's uh, it's easy to understand and grasp. And uh, I appreciate it. So, tonight we are coming to the last, though, of three Messages that we have been looking at. And uh, that is, we have been considering this uh, teaching on giving. The teaching on giving. You say, why is that? Well, that's where we're at. Uh, We're teaching through the book of Philippians, the epistle of the Philippians, and this is just where we landed. And so we've come to this place. The teaching began for us back in verse number 10, if you remember. Uh, because uh, Paul is rejoicing in the fact that the Philippians had given to him again. Uh, he says that now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He said, uh, you lacked opportunity at one time to give uh, to the work and to my ministry and to my my uh, plight here in prison. Uh, you weren't able to do that, but... You persisted and you gave. They were consistent givers and they were generous givers. But Paul reminds them that he is not um, dependent, if you will, upon their gift to live, but he's dependent upon Christ. So you have the recipients of the gift, that's Paul. You have the givers of the gift, that's the Philippians. And tonight we see the God of the gifts, and that is provision, or the provider, God Almighty. God truly is the giver of all good things. Amen? He's the giver of all good things. James tells us, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God will supply all your needs. All your needs. And tonight we want to see that. We saw how the Philippians gave, and he commends them on this giving, and now he gives them this promise that is given to us in verse number 19. Because they had given, he's reminding them that God will give to them, that God will bless them, that God will supply their needs. And God will supply your needs, as we're going to see here this evening. We want to see three ways in which God supplies our needs. Number one is this, God supplies the needs of those that give to his needs. You say, God doesn't have any needs. I understand that. That's a play on words. Uh, God's needs are the things that God commands us to give to. God wants us to give. we looked at that last time. I gave you a short list, uh, if you remember, of things that in the New Testament that we are commanded to give to. We're commanded to give to areas of evangelism, but we're also commanded to give to pastors and to teachers. We're commanded to give to missionaries, to the poor, and to those in prison, to widows, and to the fatherless. These are the people that God commands us to give to. And that's just a limited list. We could keep going on with other things we're to give to the church and other things. But we're seeing here this evening that God supplies the needs of those that give to his needs, the things that he wants us to give to. So in our text here, it says, but my God Shall supply all your need. What does he mean by that? Well, go back to verse number 18. He says, "I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of so sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, "I have this gift from you." He says, "But my God shall supply your need. It's not him that's going to supply. It's God that's going to supply. Of course, Paul couldn't supply, amen? I mean, he was, in the, he was in a prison cell. What was he going to give to them? He wasn't going to give them very much. He was in Rome. He was separated from them by thousands of miles. What was he going to do for them? Um, but he assures them that God would give and that God would provide. Them. The meaning is plain tonight. As you have been faithful to meet the needs of others, and to support the work of the Lord, to help the poor, then my God will be faithful to supply your needs also. Amen. Let's go to the house. All right, that's it. mean, right, that's the verse. That's all it means. But there's so much more that's interconnected here. So much more that goes along with this. As you have been faithful to meet the needs of others and support the work of the Lord and help the poor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then the meaning is this, my God will be faithful to supply your need. The verse in Hebrews six ten comes to mind, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God does not forget that work and labor of love. In fact, I think it would be proper to even say that it is biblical to pray for God to not forget us when we have given to others. Look over in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number five, Nehemiah five and notice this, what it says here, Nehemiah on three different occasions because of his faithfulness to God and his astute ministry as governor there in the land of of Judah and in Jerusalem more specifically, he pleased with God to not forget him. In fact, in Nehemiah 5, in verse number 30, 19, notice what it says. He says to the Lord, He says, Think upon me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. This was Nehemiah's prayer God, think on me. For all the good that I have done. Please, God, don't forget me. Nehemiah 13 in verse number 22. Nehemiah 13 in verse number 22. Notice what he says here. He says, And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, and they should keep come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. And also verse number 31, he tells, them, he tells the Lord, And for the wood offering at the times appointed, and for the firstfruits, I did this. I made sure it all was taking place. Remember me, O my God, for good. For good. He doesn't mean that God has forgotten him. That's not the idea there. What he's asking the Lord, he's telling the Lord, he's asking him, he's saying, it is in the sense that he's saying, God, restore me, make me whole again. Don't let the evil one get one over on me, is he saying. He saying, don't let the enemy have one over on me. God, I've given to you, God. Uh, now bless me as you've promised that you would do. Solomon said it well when he said in Proverbs 30 and verses number 8 and 9, he said, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches, he says. Feed me with food for convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Solomon says, hey, Lord, please don't make me too poor and but don't make me too rich. Uh, keep me somewhere in between. That's wisdom right there. Now, we know that Solomon didn't even heed to his own wisdom because he increased in riches and in gold and in horses and in women. And in doing so, those things stole away his heart. He wasn't listening to his own advice. But we should listen to the advice that he gave because it's the Word of God. God, please, please, Lord, remember me. You know, we can even trust God To save those that have shown piety towards God that have given to the Lord before they were even saved. Look over to the book of Acts, chapter number 10. God supplies the needs of those that give. God even supplied the need of salvation for an unsaved man. Think about that. Who gave? Now, he didn't give in order to get salvation. Cornelius did not give to try to earn some merit or favor with God. That's not why he gave. He gave out of a heart that desired to please the Lord, but without understanding of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to truly believe in God. In Acts chapter number 10 The Bible tells us, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now take your Bibles over to Acts 10 in verse number 31. To grab a bit of context, look at verse 30. And Cornelius said, When Peter came to the house four days ago, I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Think about that. The Lord The Lord reached down and saved a man. He did not even forget an unsaved man uh, for his generous giving to the work of the Lord. Didn't even forget an unsaved man. He didn't give him more, but he gave him something better than riches. Amen. He gave him salvation. So what I'm saying is this, is that God will supply our needs as we and it extends beyond us, further than what we can even imagine. Um, I've dealt with this in context, but I want to extend past this verse and ask this question. God meets the needs of those that give. So the logical question would be for us to ask tonight would be this. Does God only meet the needs of those who are faithful Givers, and I believe the answer for all of us would be this evening would be no. Uh, our response, would, and our response to that answer, should be praise the Lord, because not all of us have always been faithful givers. And not this whole, and all of us have not always given as faithfully as we should have or as much as we should have, whatever it might be. The point is this, is that God still meets the need in spite of us sometimes. Amen. That's a blessing. That's the mercy of God is what that is. Matthew 5.45, I've got the scripture on it just in case you was wondering. Matthew 5.45 says that ye may be children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and he sendeth rain on the what? The just and the unjust. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. And God will even meet the needs of those that don't give to God. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 145, 9, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. The Lord is good to all. Paul preached even to the idolatrous heathen in Lystra. These idol-worshiping people who wanted, remember in Lystra in Acts 14, 17, these people in Lystra wanted to lift up Paul and Barnabas and begin to bow down and worship them. They brought garlands to wrap around their uh, necks in order that they might praise them as gods. And Paul begins to preach to them and he says to them, these idol-worshiping heathen, he says, nevertheless, he, God, left not himself without a witness. And that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So, God is good to the saved and the unsaved. God is good to the just and the unjust. God is a provider of, to those that do not give to him, to those that even worship idols. God is good to them and God provides for them, God meets their needs. take your Bibles over to Matthew chapter number 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6 and verse number 25. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, probably a verse that probably many of us were thinking about. When you think about God supplying our needs, this is probably an obvious place that comes up. Matthew 6 and verse number 35, 25. Jesus is reminding us and he's trying to help us to not be anxious or troubled about life. And he comforts our hearts by telling us in verse number uh, 25. Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor what yet your bo- for your body, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap neither nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Jesus is here to remind us, Hey, I'm going to provide for your needs. I'm going to give you food. and I'm going to give you raiment. I'm going to give you drink. I'm going to provide for you. I am here for you. Don't worry about those kinds of things. Don't be worried about what is going to happen with your life. Don't be worried about your body. Don't be worried about your clothes. Don't be anxious over these things. But rather, trust in God. He will provide. He's a provider. Okay. Now, I might sound like I'm going to say a contradiction here, but I'm not. I just want to warn you. God meets the needs of those that give. But we also see in the Word of God that He is very gracious and merciful. And He gives and He provides in spite of that. Amen? Amen? But let none of us as believers... Try to take advantage of God. Let none of us as believers, if you will, presume upon the mercies of God. Don't tempt the Lord. Don't go and say, Well, God's going to provide for me no matter what. We must not take advantage of these things, but rather we must see what he says in verse number 33. I was doing good until verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Did you catch that? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Food, drink, raiment, all of that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go after that. Believe the promise that all of these things will be added unto those that will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. It may be that God might take away some of our clothing or some of our food or some of our drink or some of our shelter or some of our money or some of our uh, expense, some of our some of our livelihood because we're not following God in the area of giving. And here's what we must understand. Our part is to seek God's kingdom. Our part is to seek God's righteousness. That's our part. That's, the, that's our obedience to Christ. It is for us to give and to help. That's our part. God's part is to provide. Never assume God is going to do anything for you. Say, you know what? I want to do everything for the Lord. I want to help. I want to do, what I want. I want to do something for God. I want to seek his kingdom. I want his blessings. I want God to supply all my need. Okay, then do what he says. Listen to him. Number two, God supplies our needs. Number two, God supplies our needs. That's important. Go back to our text. It's not very long or hard to understand, but my God shall supply all your need. God supplies the need. There are some that say God wants you to be rich. Now, the verse doesn't say that. The verse doesn't say God supplies all our wants, right? God doesn't supply all our wants. God supplies all our, say it with me, need. He supplies our need. He supplies what we need. I think it's important that the, verse, that the word is, is singular there. Our need. Why would it be singular? Well, perhaps for this reason. For the fact that we usually only have one need at a time. God is wanting us to trust Him one need at a time. One need at a time. Well, will have all these needs. Well, let's just start with one. Start there. There are some say that God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have this, and God wants you to be. Uh, they make a, They make the the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preachers uh, preach things that would say that you would uh, should be prosperous in earthly riches and earthly things, and uh, and they use an argument like this that uh, that God uh, promised to bless Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and God made those men rich. They were rich men, and they'll say God doesn't want you to be poor. And then they'll say, give to us as, you give, as we give unto the Lord and God will make you rich like Abraham. Well, that's not what God's saying. In fact, Peter warns about such preaching in 2 Peter 2 and verse number three, when he says, and through covetousness, they shall with feigned words, lying words, make merchandise of you. And man, haven't you, have you ever seen a preacher on TV trying to make merchandise of somebody? trying to sell them something, trying to get them to buy something, trying to uh, coax them into getting something in order that they might be blessed. He goes on to say in 2 Peter 2, 14 and 15, they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. They beguile unstable souls. And in heart, they have exercised covetous practices, cursed children they are, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And so what is he telling us? He's saying, you know, we're not talking about covetousness here. We're not giving to God so that we can get more and have more. that's covetousness, right? That's not what we're trying to do here. We're just saying that God will meet the need. Micah nails them perfectly when he says in Micah 3.11, the heads thereof judge for reward, the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Why? Because they're doing the work of the Lord, they said. The judges, they judge for reward. The priests do it for hire. The prophets divine for money. And, I, you know, and I'm thankful that this, the church is able to pay us something. I appreciate that. But I'm also thankful that when the Lord put me into the ministry for about four years there, is that I didn't get paid anything. I'm, I'm glad for that. that. That was good for me. That's a blessing. You know, we're not, and, 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 and it's a test for preachers. What are, they, what, what, are they, what are they in it for? The money? Well, then you know your heart. But God is here to meet our need. We might not live in a mansion or drive a Porsche. See, I don't even like Porsches. Well, good. Uh, But we are promised that God will meet our needs. Not our wants, but our needs. Now, this is kind of interesting too. He says here, my God shall supply all your need. And I don't know that I've made this abundantly clear, but the Lord kind of showed me something when I was studying this out, is that he's talking to a church here. He's talking to a church God supplies our church with what it needs, not what we want. You say, well, I we want nicer things, but that's not what we need. If we need more, God will supply and send more. God is there to meet the need of the day. Sometimes he's there just to meet the need of the hour. There came a point in the travels of Israel that God stopped sending manna and he met the need in a different way. That's how God does things. He dried up the brook. For Elijah, and he sent him to a widow, God closes one door and he opens another door. Eat and drink and be content with life and the door that God opens for you. Stop seeking. We need to stop seeking other doors for God to provide more. It would be best if we just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and all these things shall be added unto you. We already read Matthew 6.31, but go over to 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 6. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Notice what it says over here. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6.31 6, and 32, God says, I will supply the food and the drink. Wherewithal, you know, are you, are you worried about all these things? And says, there's no need for all of that. 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 6. Okay, he says here, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich will fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So what's he saying here? He's saying food and raiment. Hey, this is hard for us to get sometimes, but if you got food and you got clothes, then as a Christian, you ought to be content. He said, where's the shelter? There's no shelter in there. Jesus said, son of man hath no place to lay his head. Are we any better than Jesus? So I got to have a, I got to have a, you know, a five bedroom house and three this and that and three car garage. And I got to have all that, you know, no, you don't need any of that. That's what you want. And we're blessed and we're affluent. Amen. I mean, we're affluent, so affluent, I was just talking to Brother Angel the other day, and he had his uh, aunt up here with him from Mexico. And uh, she, he took her over to the Goodwill, um, the major big Goodwill place, the clearance place, and they were selling clothes for a dollar a pound. And uh, she was flabbergasted. You see, they're, they're poor in Mexico, Okay. But do you, I didn't realize this, but he was telling me, I didn't understand this. They're not only poor, but their clothes cost exorbitantly more than what we have, than our clothes cost. Isn't that crazy? That's insane to me. We have so much, so much. It's crazy to think about how much we, how much do we throw away Right? We have so much stuff. So much stuff. And we ought to be thankful for that. And ought to be content with that. And we ought to say, God, thank you for what you've supplied for me. It ought to make us realize, too, that we probably could live with a lot less. Probably could live with a lot less than we have sometimes. Sometimes. How many of you started off your marriage or your life outside the home with less than you have now? Anybody like that? Okay. I'm there. You know. All we had was two cars. One of them, Brother James will appreciate that, was this was the Acura Integra. It didn't even have overdrive in it. It had four gears, automatic. Then never went into overdrive. I don't know what was wrong with that thing. And uh, you go about 70 miles per hour, about 3,500, almost 33,000 RPM. You know. And had a little Nissan truck. And then we moved over here, moved over to Pensacola. And uh, we had one of the, we had the smallest U-Haul trailer. And the only reason we had a U-Haul trailer is because her dad had bought us a dining room table. And Karis had bought a bedroom suit when she was 16 years old, saved to buy a bedroom suit. And uh, we moved that little bedroom suit and that dining room table. to Pensacola, Florida. I'll never forget that. And uh, I remember pulling in the driveway and looking at that. I was thinking, that's all I got. I mean, that was it. That was all we had. And, but God's been faithful. Amen. God's been good. So good. So good. Number three, God supplies according to His riches and glory. Albert Barnes says, It has often been remarked that God supplies the needs of His people, not out of His riches, but according to His riches. That's what he says. He says that God does not supply out of His riches. He supplies according to His riches. If a millionaire gave a dime to a small child, he would be giving out of his riches. But if he gave a large sum of money to a charity, he would be giving according to his riches. All right? God's supply is according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Nothing could be richer than that. God gives according to it, not out of it. If God has enough gold to pave the streets in, Jeru- in New Jerusalem, he has enough jasper to build the walls in New Jerusalem, he has enough precious stones to build a foundation uh, to build in this new city that he's, going to take, that he's going to build one day, then I would say that God has enough to take care of me. The benevolent are not usually poor one author said the benevolent or the givers are not usually poor and if they are God often raises up for them investments and supply and sends supplies in a manner as unexpected as when supplies were sent by the ravens to the prophet that's a good quote the benevolent are not usually poor but if they are then God makes sure to meet every need out there. Every need. God supplies according to His riches and glory to those that will give. To those that will give, God will supply. Jacob gave a tenth back to God of all that God gave him. And in the end of his life, he says these words. He said, The Lord which fed me all my life long until this day. David gave generously unto the Lord, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, lack. To those that give to the poor, David wrote, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. He will preserve him and keep him. In Proverbs, we read, honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses burst out with new wine. Proverbs again says, there is that that scattereth yet increaseth. There is that that withholdeth more than his meat and it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Praise God. Amen. Who wants to be fat in here tonight? All right. The liberal soul will be made fat, he says. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. What's that proverb saying? He's saying this, is that if you're going to be a miser and hold your stuff in tight and not spread it around, he said, then that leads to poverty. That leads to poverty. But that that scattereth yet increaseth. Concerning the tithe Malachi says bring you all the tithes in the storehouse and there will be meat in mine house. He says that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing then there shall not be room enough to receive it. Let's go over to 2nd Corinthians 9 and let me show you one more verse. Just to show you that God supplies his needs our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9 in verse number 6 says this, but as I say he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he that hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, with which causeth uh, through us thanksgiving to God. I mean, do you not see the words there? Increaseth bountifulness abounding. I mean, it's just, it's just big. Those are big words, aren't they? Right there. Sufficiency, sufficiency. Those are big words. Those are exciting words. I'm excited to read those words. I'm happy to read those words because I've proved them. I've done what Malachi said. I've proved God and he's proven to be true to his word, true to his word. He always gives more than we could ever, ever imagine. And one more place, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 30. This is going to sound a lot like the Sermon on the Mount, but this is not the Sermon on the Mount. Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 30. He says here, or verse 31, but seek ye rather the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in heavens, that treasure in the heavens that faileth not away, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, he tells them here. He says, "Hey, God will supply. God will supply." Now finally, I said there were three points, three ways, and there are. God supplies according to His riches in in glory. God supplies to those that give to His needs. And God supplies our needs through His merciful hand. But finally, this is the last point, is that God supplies, this is really the fourth way, our fourth reason why, this is a reason why God supplies. God supplies for His own glory. His own glory. Not so that you and I can be boastful and say, look what I gave. You know, he says, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. We're not up here to say, hey, I gave this, I gave that, blah, 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 or anything. Not a pat on the back. No, it's now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God be glorified. Hey, whether you're the giver or whether you're the recipient, whether you get the gift or whether you give the gift, God be glorified. God be glorified. God be lifted up. God be the one that should be glorified in all of this. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 tells us this. Going back to that same place, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. They that do good, and they that are rich in the good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. It's all about eternal life. It's all about the next life. It's not giving so that I can get in this world. But as Jesus says, Get you some bags that don't wax old. All right? Get you some bags that don't wear out. All right? That won't be no uh, Gucci bag, okay? That's going to be some other bag. You say, that's a bag. I, you know, I'm looking for a bag that don't wear out. It's, well, let me tell you right now, it ain't in this world. That bag's in a different world. That bag is somewhere else. That bag is in heaven. Let God put what he sees fit in that thing. It's all to the glory of God. Go to one more text and then we'll close it up tonight. First Chronicles chapter number 29 and verse number 10. When David finished his giving to the temple, David did not build the temple, but David prepared the temple. David prepared the temple. And he organized it, and he drew up the plans, and he had all of it laid out so that it would be ready and accessible and available to Solomon, and his son. I mean, they gave, a, I mean, the First Chronicles 29, we don't have the time to look at this, but if you read verses 1 through 9, you'd see all the stuff they gave. More than we could even imagine. When they had given it all, I love this, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. Because with the perfect, with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And it is... In thine hand is power and might, and thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O our God, he says, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But look at verse 14, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort for all things come of thee and thine own have we given thee for we, did you catch that? And thine own have we given thee. We've only given to you, God, what is rightfully yours in the first place. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as all our fathers and our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is nothing abiding. O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house and thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. He's telling the Lord, 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 we give you the glory. We give you the praise. God, there is no praise that is to us because of what we have given, God. None whatsoever. It's all you, God, because, Lord, what we have is yours. What we have is yours. Everything we have is yours. And the sooner that Christians would get that and believe that and understand that, then the more that we could... Be joyful. The more joyful we would be in giving and helping and being a blessing to others. There's joy in giving. God loveth a cheerful giver. And you'll experience His love. For it is better to give than it is to receive. Father, we're thankful for what you've given to us on Calvary. We're thankful for the blessings of Calvary. Lord, all that you've given. All of your riches according to you in Christ Jesus, we thank you for them. Lord, we're thankful for the promise that you've given to us here. Now help us this evening, Father, to give as it has been given unto us. We'll thank you for it, Lord, for all that you do, all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.